0: Visit RedBarnInc.com slash coupon to save a dollar off your first can. Blob Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Inner Consciousness with me, your host, Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. And this evening, my guest will be Mr. Howard Roback. Howard, how are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks
2: for inviting me.
1: Ah, It's no, a pleasure to have, have you in the Inner Consciousness with me. So, Howard, tonight we are going to examine if we rule the world. What do you think about that? If you ruled the world, or, matter of fact, let me start off by asking this question before I even asked you what you would do if you ruled the world. Do you think that any one person should rule the world, or any one country for that matter? No. No. Okay. Elaborate on that. Tell me about that. No, I don't think it's any one
2: human's right to, to rule to rule the earth, or rule man, or rule people, or rule anything, I, I, I'm at the place in my own experience where I think as attempting to be as conscious as possible would be that humans becoming more conscious can self-rule and and live in a uh, and live in that harmony.
1: Thing you say that because in hearing you say that, it makes me think about something. When you say that humans can self rule, would you say, and this is just my thought on it, but would you say that when people try to regulate or rule or control other people, because really that's what it comes down to when you're ruling others, would you say that they lose sight of themselves in trying to control other people? They lose the ability to be self-aware or, you know, control their own selves. Um, I think
2: the egoic, when one one starts to become in that ruling mode, the egoic mind takes over. And once that happens, then it's really hard to know where that person is going because the egoic mind is is about self-gratification rather than um, the gratification of everything. You know, so um, my my personal philosophy is that we are all connected. So how do you how do you actually rule if we're all connected? Um, so yeah, from looking at it from that angle, I look at it as as it's an opportunity. As humans, can we can we can we make that giant step into self awareness where we can live in an, uh, in harmony in a harmonious type. Uh, way on a planet with everything. I mean, everything, everything on a planet, not just other humans, but mm-hmm. the planet itself, and do that in a way where we're not actually ruling anybody, but living in in, in total harmony. And that you know, that may be, that may sound for some people it may sound a little um, you know a little Pollyannish, but the fact of the matter is, is that as humans, we 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 are hoping that we become more aware of of everything, of ourselves, of, of our fellow. Fellow humans, our, our our creatures that live around us, the planet itself. So hopefully, if we can keep that ball rolling, and that's in, that we 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 can come to a point where we're we're aware enough where we don't need to have one person to rule us, but we can all live live in a you uh, know harmonious consensus type atmosphere, where we where we're working for the good of not only ourself self but also for the good of all everything i like that
1: i like that and it's interesting that you would say you know that it may sound pollyannish because i i talk about this war on love and it's interesting how intricate it is most people have no idea one that there is a war on love and two how it even shows up you know and so i did a Workshop or seminar about two weeks ago, and I broke down the war on love. But one of the things I explained, as I was talking about the uh, different ways, you you have these generals, as I call them, you know, with the commander in chief being the opposite of love, which most people would say is hate, but the opposite of love is fear.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, yeah,
1: hate. And fear- Fear may lead
2: into hate, but yes, yeah, fear is definitely fear. out of the Because yeah.
1: well, if you think about hate, at the root of every hatred is fear. And so <laughs> fear is this commander-in-chief, but hate is a five-star general. It is the highest-ranking soldier in this army, so everyone focuses on hate and don't see beyond hate as fear. So hate yeah. takes all of the blame for it, and hate loves it. But hate's got you know, two other generals that work with him. You know, and there's this one general called Division, and Division oh. is probably the worst. You know, I say that Division is char- in charge of the special operations groups right. <laughs> because it does the best black ops that you've ever seen. It would make any group, Navy SEALs, Delta Force, Force Recon, you know, it would make the Air Force counter terrorist team, the CIA, it would make all of them turn their head because it gets in. And it says, Howard, you are separate and different from me. And so when you were talking about, you know, your belief that we are all connected, that's the vision that makes other people see otherwise. And I remember hearing Wayne Dyer say, you know, one of the biggest lies we all have been taught is that we're separate from God. Yeah. And so as yeah. long as we believe we're separate from God and we're separate from each other and we're separate right. from the earth and right. all the other things, then people are going to want to. Try to rule over other people. You know, the ego is going to become a problem. All of those things. But when we can start to accept it, and you know, I don't even think it's Pollyannish. I think it's what we all should be aspiring towards. You oh, I agree.
0: Yeah, it,
2: totally, totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, can we can we make that uh, leap as a human race? I sure hope so. If not, then we continue on the road that we're on, which is self
1: destruction. Well, how this is how I think. And you let me know how you feel about it. But I think as long as there's people like you and me, and there's others out there who believe this way, we just need to show up more and affect yeah. more people. Yeah. You know. So as long as there's people like us alive, then at some point we will make that leap.
2: I agree. I agree. Yeah. It, whether whether, whether it, it could happen in an instant or it could take another few lifetimes. It's exactly. Hard to know. Hard to know. Um, I totally agree. And I think that's what uh, you know, in the past fifteen, sixteen years I've been involved in the metaphysical world and also in the shamanic world and you know, all those philosophies lead me to the, the conviction of uh of the of the oneness of all of us and and I yeah, I, I try to do my best to expound expound upon that.
1: Mhm. And as long as you do that with as many people as you can, because you don't know who you'll touch. And no, you don't. Spread it on. you don't. You don't know. Right. Yeah, and right now you're having an opportunity to do that with this show. You know, yeah. and for all the listeners and for all the times this will be played and replay, everybody right. who hears it, you know, they'll get an opportunity to hear, hey, Howard said this, and maybe he's right. Maybe he's on to something. Yeah. But you know, with that said, Howard. I am going to dub you for the next 15, 20 minutes as ruler of the world. <laughs>
0: right. So
1: I, Harvey L. Bailey, being of no authority whatsoever, right. do hereby dub thee, Howard okay. back, ruler of the known world, planet Earth. Wow. And so with that, let me ask you in the realm of politics, sex, and religion, what would you do? You know, what would be changes that you make? What would be things that you leave the same? Are there any laws that you would enact? What would you as the ruler of the world do? I don't know.
2: I don't know about the laws enacting because we already have thousands and thousands of laws all over the place, but I would certainly um would want to start some kind of an educational program where we teach people um to get away from having to have um, a particular book or a particular god or a particular thing to be their savior, and recognize the importance of of you, me, each individual knowing their divinity. So that would be that would be my probably my foremost uh, thing to do if I was the ruler of the world. Okay. So, would it help people to damn their own connection to the divine? And that, that in itself is probably going to be some hard work because there's a lot of entrenched ideas mm-hmm. on that whole subject and in the political world and religious world about, you know, uh, right and wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. So so there's a lot to overcome, but I think I, I think that that would be a major um, part of, of Trying to help people to 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 come out of the, uh, as Plato said, as Plato said, coming out of the cave and letting go of the fear of the shadows that are keeping you in that cave. So, and and if you can, if you can let go of that fear of the shadows that you're think that I think are, are monsters out there and they're not, they're just shadows.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Then then you 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 can break free from from all the nonsense that we've been we've been taught for millennia of time you know for for literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that this is the way it is and this is the way it's particular this not it's not the way it is it's what we've accepted as the way it is so mm-hmm. so so as a as if i if you know the scenario is that i am the ruler of the world that would be my utmost uh challenge would be to help to reeducate the human race on knowing their divinity, knowing that they are already an expression of the divine and they don't need to have a savior or another human uh, to to um to save them. That that they just have to look within, you know. I mean Jesus said that himself. Jesus mm-hmm. said that, you know, it's just you know, uh I, the works that I do you can do you have to even greater. greater mm-hmm. Even greater. So I mean to me, he you know he's the the to me he was the ideal teacher, um, and, and and I think once once I got into the metaphysical world and I understood started to understand some of his some of his real teachings like like me I and my father are one and and stuff like that when I finally realized that he was sending a message out it wasn't about dying on a stake or giving your blood it was a it was a message of that you are part of this divine order of things. So um, that that's the, that would be a great challenge. I mean, I mean, let's face it. We we have uh, groups of people that are still very entrenched in in a, in a very old philosophy that don't want to give that up. So it's it's a, it would be an interesting challenge. And uh, I mean, that would be the first thing. So that, and then as far as uh, politics go, kind uh, of get rid of the fear. Got to get rid of the fear. I mean, it's it's since I was a kid, I would think I was reminiscing about that the other day. I grew up I grew up doing um, in the '60s. Uh, I was part of the whole Cold War, which went on for decades, and there was such a fear of communism. Oh, we fear the communists. Well, guess who our biggest trading partner is in the world is communist China.
0: <laughs> and how many
2: people how many people lost their lives because of the fear of communism? Mm-hmm. Now it's another fear. So we just keep changing fears, and the fear takes on a new face, a new identity, a new a new name, but it's still the same old fear, you know. And so we keep perpetuating that for time and time and time, and, you know, we, we're, you know, we're going to have a war on this. Well, you, you, there's no way you're going to have a war on something you don't even
0: understand.
2: And then secondly, you, you, the wars that we have on drugs and war and this and war and that are, are, are futile. They're not. They're not doing anything. So, so you have, so you have religion changing, changing the idea of how we look at ourselves in in the face of the divine. Politics, getting rid of the fear factor, and that would be for everybody because it's not just our country. There's there's Muslim world, there's this world, that world, and they've all been perpetuating this fear thing for you know mm-hmm. for about years. And then, as far as you know, sexuality and how we deal how we deal with that let's be a little more open let's understand that sexuality is part of this part of our nature let's not be so frightened of it to 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 hush it or to uh, make it some ugly thing because it's it's not it's part of our experience as humans so let's turn it into um, let's turn it into what it can be and it can be an incredibly nurturing and loving
1: experience so, well, so And you know, when you go to sexuality, that can still take you right back to religion because mm-hmm. religion can limit your expression of oh, your, of your sexuality. I, and and I, you. I, I bring it back to that only because I want you to go a little more into how would you make a change. I mean, like, Constantine decided when he had the Bible canonized, he created really the Christian belief as we know it today. He brung together different schools of thoughts. He chose what would be in this one canonized Bible. And, you know, basically it's Pauline religion. You know, Christianity has come to us from Paul instead of from Jesus' brother. But still, it's what we believe today to be the all-holy word of God. Yet at one time during Constantine time, there were different books that was taught at different churches from one end of the community to the other end of the community. Some yeah. shared books. Some had books that other churches didn't have, and everybody kind of had a, a variation of, you know, of a, a what's now one belief, but they had yeah. different variations of it. So. Right. For you as the ruler and saying what you said, would you do some of the things that he did in the sense of, you know, because paganism was so large at that time, he kept like December 25th. It was already a celebrated holiday, so he made that the birth of, you know, our Lord and Savior and things like that. Would you soften the transition, I guess is what I'm asking
2: well I would my my idea would be to help people to understand that there's a, there's more to this than just just the simple statements or or, or or you know the four gospels or whatever you want to look at and first of all I'm looking at the, the at the man jesus jesus was a, jesus was considered a gnostic mhm so the the whole idea of a gnostic is someone who seeks knowledge. So uh, that would be something I would encourage people to do, and there there are more opportunities now than ever in human experience. Knowledge, information is more available now than ever has been in human experience. So there's no excuse for us not to be able to 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 look into things and to check things out. Um, so it's, it, the whole idea would be to uh, uh, help people to open their minds and. And that's that's probably more of a challenge than anything else is. How do you help someone open their mind when they've decided to be closed? You know, that's 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 probably more of a challenge than just showing them showing them information. I mean, I've read I've read numerous gospels besides the four. I've, I've you know I've read Thomas Timothy mm-hmm. and Thomas Gospel and Judas Gospel and Mary Magdalene's Gospel and they're they're fascinating reads they're fascinating reads and just because they're not in the canon doesn't mean they're not worthy of of notarization so there's a lot out there there's there's so much out there uh one of the uh, for me one of the greatest writings that i like is the Tao Te Ching which i consider the most simplest of all the writings there's only i think 96 verses or 96 mm. chapters And it's it's just a simplistic way of looking at life. So, but the thing is that, Harvey, the thing is that people themselves have to be willing to open their minds, open their minds. And that, I don't know if you can force them upon them. You know, even if you say, I'm the ruler of the world, you cannot force someone to open their mind. They have to be willing. Uh, You might be able to show them how they can do and how, how much life would be so much better if you can do that it's still an individual um evolutionary process. You see what i'm saying Mhm it's a process and, and um we've made great advances in some ways and other ways we've we're we have we have gone backwards
0: so, okay. uh you have you have
2: religious you have religious ideals that are the same now as they were five six eight hundred years ago a thousand years ago. And and maybe a few little changes, but some of them are very are still very much the same. So if you keep beating that into someone's head, they have a tendency to believe it, you know. So that's so you know as it's someone like myself, who would, if if I, you know when you say you're in charge, the only thing I can say is, well, it's the opportunity now to open your mind, mm-hmm. open your mind, expand, see what's out there, see. See, you know, don't be frightened to look. Don't be frightened to look. I grew up in that. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. I grew up in the whole idea of you cannot look at anybody else's teaching. Once I freed myself from that, it was like the world opened up to me. It's like the world opened up, you know. So, But how do you, it's almost I had to go through my fire to get there, you see. So you, those are things you cannot force upon anybody. You can't even write a law on that. You, you, it's something something that you have to encourage from from when the
1: someone is an infant, you know. So it's a, it's a it's a fascinating subject. It's a fascinating subject. So give me one or two things that you would do because you're right, you're right, and it's very very broad. But if you're going to make a change, you got to start somewhere. We all know, you know, the journey of a thousand miles began with the first step. Right. So, one or two things that you would implement?
2: Well, I, I you know, pl- plastering all over as many billboards as you can put up is uh, uh, plastering. You know, what Marianne Williamson So "Don't be frightened of your own you know, of your own greatness." You know, um, which which um, which which is a quote about you know this, that that um, I don't remember the whole thing. It's not for some reason it's eluding my mind, but. You don't allow your don't be frightened of your own greatness don't don't shrink back into smallness realize how uh, the greatness of yourself so um that would be you know just getting the information out plastering it plastering it around because we we all we all know that information that's that's kept kept being repeated finally becomes finally becomes the consciousness of of, of man. If you if you keep on repeating things long enough, people start feeling, starting to realize. Mm-hmm. So so if you can do that in a positive way, I mean, it's been done in a negative way for, mm-hmm. for hundreds and hundreds of years. So if you can do in it in a positive way. still being
1: done in a negative way.
2: Right, right. So, I mean, look how fast people go to war. Look how fast people get frightened of ISIS. Mm-hmm. Look how fast people get frightened of this or that. It's because you keep... Blasting the people with that.
0: Mm-hmm. So blast people
2: with good stuff. Blast people with good stuff. I mean, blast them with things like you're you're a divine being. You're you're the same as sh- you're the same as me. And we're all the same. We're of the same stuff. We came from the same stuff. If you put blinders on, you wouldn't. You had we would have no idea what I look like. You all mm-hmm. would have to, all you would know is what I sound like. Right. So. um Getting that into the consciousness is um would be the first thing, and you know so plastering it on every media you can would probably be what would come to my mind um again i, I don't see making laws it's like making laws for um against separation or segregation you can't if you don't wanna if a human doesn't wanna do it, it's not gonna happen see. So, so it's not just about a law, it's about your consciousness. Where do you want to be in consciousness? So that's something that, that, that I feel, um, that's a, that's a heavy question. How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you, you don't, again, you don't make, we, uh, one thing about humans, we do have free will. Mm -hmm. So we, so we are given that, we are given our free will and what do you do with it is, is really your choice. And, um, and that's and that's that's the bittersweet thing of the whole the whole human experience, is that you know we you me, people of like mind, we're striving to open ourselves to the good of the universe, and there are still many many people who want to stay st- stuck, you know, in a thousand year old philosophy, because that's all they know, you know, treat yeah. treat women treat women uh, like they're nothing, you know, uh, treat much like nothing, um, um, you know, so those are things that have been taught. So it's about posturing that information out there,
1: you know. Okay. And, and I just want to, you know, tag on to what you were saying, because you, you make a very good point about repetition, you know. So if I was the ruler, you know, I guess what I would do is some of the TV has to be changed. The media in itself yes. has to be changed because – I noticed about four or five years ago there are more horror films coming out than ever before. And I know people love horror films, but to me it's an interesting concept. You want to give your money away to be scared. It's a low vibration that invites. And, of course, I understand that this is not common knowledge. So we have to change what's taught in schools too. Schools should teach you how to live not indoctrinate you into a system, but teach yeah. you how to live and how to think. So really? once you understand things like universal laws, then you're open to making your own choices. So it, I would say you know, with the changing of the media and then having the schools teach people how they create their own realities – you know how we play such a large part in what we create if you think about what's going on in your mind and if you're not sure what's going on in your mind, look at what's showing up around you., yes. do you like what's showing up around you? Are you someone who's addicted to drama? Are you someone who's always angry? Are you one of those people who need something to complain about? Well, life is going to give you that. Because right. that's what you're asking for. Are you someone who can be happy in the worst situations? Well, if you can be happy in that, and you're not just saying, I'm happy in the worst situations, because that will keep you in the worst situation, so you can be happy. But if you can appreciate what you have, then more will be given unto you.
0: Yes, truly. And, and
1: so these are universal laws, and if the schools taught people this, then people would understand You know that we can't afford the luxury of a negative thought.
2: I agree. <laughs> that's, that's a that's a that's a fair order because um because of of where you know man is in their own in their own human uh, human evolution.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
2: again we have we have people that come come into our experience or come into the earth experience and who are I would say, you know, like the Christ consciousness or the or the Gandhi right, uh consciousness where um they create this Aura of of a peaceful peaceful resolu- revolution and stuff like that, and so those those kinds of people can help us move forward. The, the sad thing is is that um, it's 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 still it can, it can be it can be a slow process. the The hope is that w- at one moment we will um, make that giant leap into the next level of consciousness where we where we recognize. That we don't need half the things that we've been told, that we that we do need, or half the things that, or believe the things that we're being told. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting time in,
1: in human experience. Yeah, uh, I would say that. So yeah, how it, let's move on. We we rode the religion train down the road. Let's talk about politics.
0: Yeah. Right. Let's
1: talk about politics. They say religion and politics are the two things that you don't talk about in polite company. Well, I like to believe we're in polite company and we're breaking that rule tonight.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, believe we, we have a we have a real circus going on right now in our own country. And um and I do mean circus. Mhm. Um I don't know where it all goes. It's it's what I find fascinating is the temperament of the people who are following certain individuals, and I find that to be more fascinating than what the, than the actual the the actual um, who is who is in front and who's not in front. No, I'm on. Um, so I don't I don't know. You know, you have if you have a, a group of people who are so willing to blindly follow someone who is. A a complete racist. I mean, you go back in history. Mm -hmm. Look, look how many people followed Adolf Hitler. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, he was big here in the United States. Right. And we don't like to talk about that. We don't put that in the history books, right. but he was huge here in the United States. And I'm sorry how to cut you up, but I just wanted to put that out there. It yeah. was only last weekend. You know, I was watching this documentary about this guy, his business because of I don't remember what it was he did, but his business was attacked because he had said something publicly or somehow you know made a public statement about Adolf Hitler and you know the Nazi party which was pretty big in America destroyed his business right so that that's
2: the thing that that fascinates me is how easily groups of people are swayed okay that's just one that's just one um instance you have you have the uh, in the Soviet Union you have uh, Joseph Stalin.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, he was he was by some people was considered savior, but he he murdered millions of people. So you, you have this mentality of of people wanting to follow someone. You know, we we think we need someone to lead us, mm-hmm. um, our savior type situation. So you have the savior as a religion, you have another savior in the political realm because this man's going to save us, he's going to make everything right again. And and you have you have that similarity going on in those two genres and it's fascinating to follow to to look at the human race and see how easily they are swayed. And that's probably more frightening to me. I think that 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 came that whole thing came home to me. Uh, during, um, I think it was uh, 2001, 2002, when when we got in, into the war, how easily as a society we were fed, we were fed lies, and how easily we fell into it. And so that that fascinates me. It's almost like I would love to see sociology um, being taught from early age on, that people can understand the nature of humans and how humans over the course of history have easily followed someone or something. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because
2: humans have been doing this for, for millenniums.
0: It's the
1: way we're genetically engineered. All you need to do is find someone who's saying the things that you're afraid to say. Right. You know, As a matter of fact, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm going to dumb this down and make it ridiculously crazy. Okay. In the mid-'90s television, there was a war going on between WWE and WCW, and WWE eventually became the victor in this war. But what they did is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. They played to all the stereotypes, but one of the biggest ones was people's hate for their bosses. Right. And so the biggest hero of wrestling at that time was Stone Cold Steve Austin, who had more success in disrespecting his boss and doing things his way, he even kicked his boss's butt several times. One time in the hospital, you know, and people loved it. Why they were willing to get on the Stone Cold wagon, no matter what Stone Cold did, because right. he was outrageously bold, and right. people saw in him what they wanted in themselves. Right. And by and that's, by, and care- that's what's happening now in the political process. You have a you have a couple of people out there that
2: are like are, that are very vocal, and uh, actually have absolutely... If you if you sit back and think about what they've said, they've said absolutely nothing. Yep. But they're vocal, they're vocal enough to draw a crowd, mm-hmm. and the crowd is eating it up. Like, well, you, you understand what the guy is saying? He's saying absolutely nothing, but you're eating it up.
1: Doesn't matter. It's, it's, this person it, is expressing my dissatisfaction right. and right. anger, and I need right. someone to do it because I don't know how to step up and do it right. myself. Or the right. belief that... I am just a peon, so I need sure. someone to champion my cause.
2: Yes, yes.
1: So it's, a, it's an interesting time in our society because we could actually potentially
2: go into another, you know, fascist-type leader, you know, uh, where, we, where we we give everything over to this one guy who's going to take us into this new world um and that's the danger of 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 the political world because it's like there's a lot of people out there who would and so here's the parallel there's a lot of people who follow a religion because they don't want to take the time to study or learn on their, uh, or learn the facts and it's the same way in the political world mm-hmm. they don't want to take the time to look at look at the whole picture so the same thing is happening in the political world as is happening in religion. I'm going to turn over my all my power over to the priest or the the new president or the new senator. I don't have the time and I don't want to take the energy to find out for myself what's really going on here. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's the scary part. I'm giving you my power. And this is so I'm so now I'm taking a step back and saying this is what I would have to do if I, was, if I was the king of the world. But I would have to help people to realize that you've got to take your power back. You do not have to give your power to a priest, a minister, a politician, or even, or even a mate, even a mate. So in all three subjects, you have a very similar role. I don't have to give my power to you. I don't have to give my power to you. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, so religion, religion
2: and, and, and politics and in and, uh, human sexual relations, I don't, I don't need to give my power to you.
1: And so now I'm going to ask you the same thing here that I asked you before. Give me one or two uh, things that you would actually enact, uh, things that you would do to change politics. You're the rule of the world. What are one or two things that you would do to change things?
2: Well, I would definitely, I would definitely have to to, to implement some kind of a um, a mandatory course in school where people were to study sociology, where they actually studied human nature. You, and you go back, if you, I don't care how far you go back, you can go back a thousand years, two thousand years. But the course of human nature, it's I think it's very important that people realize that there's patterns that humans have been following for centuries, and the whole idea of, of of mandatory course to teach you how to start thinking for yourself, how to start thinking for yourself. Yes, you can be part of the whole. Yes, you create a wonderful world for everybody. But how to start thinking for yourself? So you're not you're not wrapped up. So that would be my that would be my uh, goal. Would be to, to, to in, an incredible education program on man's sociological behaviors how, how they how they behave in, in, uh in in the whole realm of, of human experience, you know, so education, again, education, you know, uh, and and it wouldn't be, it has to be open at the top. It has to be like, um, this is the way it's been and yes, we can change it. How do we change it? I'm not going to say we're going to change it this way or that way. Now we're open for dialogue. Let's open, let's open up for dialogue. And if we can do that on a, on a whole human race basis, there might be, some, might be some improvement there, you know? You know, um, You know. It, it, again, it could happen in, in a heartbeat or it could take another couple of millenniums. Who knows? Okay.
1: okay. All right. And so, Howard, I save the best for last. All right. If you rule the world, let's talk about sex. <laughs> That's always a good subject. That's always a good subject.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and you mentioned earlier about People, um, you know, being – well, we kind of talked about not being able to express yourself sexually. sexually. We just touched on that. And then you just said something when we were talking about politics about, you know, being able to be free even in your relationship. And we find in a lot of relationships, probably more now than over the last 40, 50 years, that the dynamics have changed. And it's to the point where maybe for a lot of couples, none of them, neither party is feeling that free. You know, I do some statistics, Arlene and I do for our other show, One Love, Mm -hmm. One Connection, One Us. That's on the second Thursday of every month. And one of the things that we've recently learned is that though the divorce rate still hovers around 50%. It's actually slightly over, but not significant enough for it to be mentioned since it's not a full 51%. Um, it's still considered 50%. But what we found is that this it's been this way since about 1988, that right. half of the people get married, stay married. But the marriage pool has shrunk. So whereas 88 through 90 and into the early 90s, You had more people getting married. So let's just throw a ballpark figure out. If every year 10,000 couples got married, 5,000 couples stayed together. As of late, fewer people are getting married. So whereas then you had 10,000 and you had 5,000 staying together, now you have 1,000 couples getting married which means 500 are staying together. So even though the percentage is still the same, the number of people getting married or the number of couples getting married has shrunk. So the percentage is the same, but you still don't really have the same Mm -hmm. amount of married people. That's actually scary when you understand the math. So it kind of, I guess, to a lot of people, to both parties, people aren't being able to express themselves. They aren't able to feel free. In their relationships so let's tie that in the sex how what would you say as the rule of the world about sex would you say people have at it do what you do would you regulate sex sex is only for those people who are married would you say you know you can only do this but you can't do that it's against the law to enjoy this and not that and what would you put out there
2: well um I, I don't think you. I, again, I don't want. To, I wouldn't make any laws to say what is right and what is wrong because I think we've come a long way in the whole sexuality, especially in this country and another uh, modern countries on the on the issues of uh, homosexuality, and the issues of um, you know similar things. So I, I am I am grateful for that um, that there is an opening to that whole idea that there's other ways of expressing love and sexuality other than just being in a, in a marriage, I mean, I grew up in the whole notion that you had to be married to, to even um, to even have sex, sexual relations, and I I, have, I found out to be um, uh, highly uh, unproductive because if you don't know what the person is like that you're going to be with, get after getting married is certainly not a great time to learn that. Uh yes, there are some people that can and do it successfully, but for the most part there's a lot of a lot of people are, are thinking more, especially on that subject. They're they're not willing to put up with the same stuff that was put up by our parents and our grandparents. You know, a lot of parents and grandparents stayed together because they felt it was a duty or the church made them or they would be considered outcast if they didn't. So the whole paradigm on that subject has changed which which I'm grateful for, because the whole idea of marriage um really is is really kind of about ownership um the the israelites practice it as as a way to uh you know to keep somebody in their in, in uh as theirs,
0: mm-hmm. and so
2: a lot of people don't want to be owned anymore and yet we long yet we long for um relationship. So it's an interesting it's an interesting paradigm going on because the whole idea of marriage is about is kind of like owning someone, and the whole idea of living together is well I am more free than you are yet we still have <laughs> we still have a commitment right so it's an inter- it's an interesting thing that's happening in our society so um, and I, I happen to love um, Gary Zukov's uh, ideas um, when he wrote the Seed of the Soul. On the whole, the paradigm of marriage is basically doomed from the start because you're you're anticipating the person that you're going to be with is going to be exactly the same today, yes. exactly the same tomorrow, and that's an impossibility because none of us stay the same. If we did, we wouldn't go anywhere. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? So it's it's a, it's it's becoming rarer and rarer to find two peoples that are willing to 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 go into that arrangement and um and, and not go in with the understanding that you may change and I, and I may change, and how are we gonna deal with that so um the the sexuality part of it is is unique because there's a lot of religious taboos that make us that make us um go into the marriage scene because. A lot of religions have taught over centuries of time that you have to be married, otherwise you're an adulterer, you're a fornicator, you're this or you're that, and so you have those those paradigms still still in the back of people's minds. So you have a, a freer um, thought on this whole thing now, which I'm kind of ha- I'm I'm really happy about. And yet again, going back to the idea that most of us do do long to be in some kind of relationship. Male, female, 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 male, male. It doesn't make a difference. The fact of the matter is that we long to be uh, in 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 some kind of relationship. system. So how do we navigate that, and how do we how do we navigate the sexuality part of it? Um, you know, um, you know, because sexuality is, is is part of our experience as as it, whether we're humans or animals. is part of it's part of the experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So a lot of people are. are even with having children, a lot of people are deciding. Well, I don't really don't want children, so let's just let's, let's be together on a different level. Let's let's, let's be together because we want to accomplish something. Let's be together because we want to do something. Um, uh, you know, stepping back into into the sexuality part, I I've been blessed in the past ten fifteen years to meet have met some really fascinating people um, who who have taught um, learning how to be, be how, learning how to love yourself,
0: mm-hmm.
2: l- learning how to love pleasure, le- learning how to be perfectly okay with pleasure. And that's one of the, you know, for a long time that was sinful. You know, everything was sinful. So now the paradigms are being reversed and people are saying, you know what, I enjoy pleasure. I enjoy being pleasured. I enjoy giving pleasure. And I don't, I'm not seeing any badness in this. I'm not seeing any badness. If you want to create a badness, that's that's how you want to live, you know. And all and all the all the moral self righteousness that goes around about, you know, same sex marriage or the same sex relationships, um, it's like, if you found someone that you feel really good to be with, let it be, man, let it be. I mean, what what greater gift can you ever find in the universe to find someone that you can uh, walk down the road with, and feel perfectly at ease with. What a, what
1: a great experience, no matter what they call themselves,
2: male, female, whatever. Well,
0: you know how
1: that's against some people's beliefs, and so when they see it, it just bothers them. You know, and, and it's interesting how people are bothered by things that really should not be a bother. And I, and, I, and, I, and I bring this up because one of the things that you mentioned just a few breaths back was about self-love. When we get into self-love, we learn that when you love yourself, you can't help but grow in your love for God because, one, you're connected. So the more you put interest into loving yourself, the more it becomes easier for you to love God, but also in doing so, it becomes easier for you to love other people. There's a lot of people walking around with a whole lot of misplaced anger. Yes, Just completely lost in their anger. They don't even know what they're angry about. They're angry about being angry about being angry. But they don't even have a direction for that anger to go. And so if there's something about you that's different from them, if there's something about you that represents a shadow in them, a part of them that they don't like, then the anger can be geared at you. So if you're in a same-sex relationship, man-man, woman-woman, and that's not what they believe in. Their paradigm has to be the right paradigm, and if you step outside of that, then you're wrong, and your anger can be geared towards them. You know, and it's interesting because the more angry we become, the more our world closes in on us. Angry people don't understand this. People get so angry that they can't see beyond their nose, but when you become angry, your world closes in. So you're not thinking on a broad scale You're thinking strictly in the realm of the ego, and division has complete hold of you. That general called division has complete hold of you because all you know is self-reference, what I want, what I like. This ain't right because me. And you're not thinking from a broad or higher vibration. You're just locked into you. And that plays a big part when we're talking about people wanting to express themselves sexually.
0: Yes, yes.
2: I, I'm, I, again, I'm, I'm happy that we're, um, that we are at a time when it, that it's being expressed more and that there's, that there's a lot of people willing to at least be open to that idea because, I mean, I grew up in an era where you, you know, especially in my religious background where you, you didn't really even talk about it. And so mm-hmm. there was a lot of, there was a lot of ups on that. So I think. For me I'm thankful for where I'm at in my own experience right now you know um and knowing that um that I can experience what I what what I would like to experience but also you have to you also have to be mindful of um you know treating people kindly and being dignified in how we treat others so it's it's it's, it's an interesting you know it's an interesting scenario you know
1: Yes, it is. And Howard, I really want to thank you for your views and thank you for joining me in the inner consciousness this week. It has been a pleasure to have you on here. And I just want to say, you know, this to what we've just been talking about, particularly this last part. I have. Probably over the last four or five weeks, so, you know, the last month or so, been telling people that I really, really believe that marriage should come with a three to five year expiration. Now, this may sound crazy to people, but hear me out. Listen to the logic behind it. It is exactly as Howard said. You see, a lot of people think they know themselves, and I'm going to tell you, you know, because I, I'm a, I'll be the first to say there's a lot about me I still don't know. I'm in the learning phase. But we are always growing. And the less self-aware you are, and if you think you know yourself, then you're not self-aware at all. (laughs) We we are constantly changing. And and I digress only for a second. I can remember in the early 90s, me and two other guys having a conversation with a mob of people, at least – you know, 12, 13 other people, us trying to tell them when you – and I was a married man at that time, a happily married man. And some people yeah. may say, well, that's probably why you're not married now because of that. But no, the thought was me and this other guy, we were trying to explain to people, you don't know that your marriage will last forever. Everyone goes into it liking to think that it's going to last forever. But there's right. two people involved, and people change. People do change, and they don't always change at the same rate, and they don't change the same way. You know, I may change to the left, you may change to the right, and after a while we may find that we have nothing in common or we don't know how to get back to each other. It's not saying that we can't, but we may not know how to. We may not have the tools. We may not have the support. So when I say marriage should come with a three- to five-year um Renewal, you have to take continuing education, and you have to accumulate so many credits, and you can't do your credits on your own. So let's say 90 credits in three years. I'm married to someone. I can't go off and get 30 credits and then try to get the other 60 credits with my spouse. Oh, that's a no-no. If I show up without Shaniqua, I'm done. You come back when she (laughs) comes. You know what I mean? The two of you have to do it together because – It's a requirement of your marriage. And if you don't, at the end of three years, submit the 90 continuing education credits, then your marriage is automatically annulled at that point. And the reason I say that is because of exactly what we're talking about. People change. Yeah, it's a good good thought. I can uh, can see that. People change. Um, And learning skills will help you stay together. And plus, here's another thing. Let's say it's time for your fourth renewal, Right. And one person is really resistant to it. Well, that's a huge sign right there. I would think so. Yes. <laughs> That's a huge sign that you may not have seen if the, the way the system currently is, the way it is now, you're married you're married forever till death do you part. But you may not have seen this. When this person is making every excuse in the world not to go to these classes with you, you know this marriage is in some serious trouble because the classes are to help you learn better coping skills to keep your marriage together. And they don't want to go to that, there's a problem right here.
2: Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Totally. Totally agreed. Yeah, that that could be a whole talk show by itself. The
0: idea,
2: <laughs> you know, whole idea of marriage and you know where where um where it stands in, in our you know
1: because um, like I said that you could you could spend hours on that one for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: I might just do that. I'll give that some thought.
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> you yeah. know
1: the requirements to keep marriage going.
0: But again, yeah.
1: Howard, it was great having you in here. Thank you for asking me. Yes. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome, man. Yeah. Is there any closing thoughts that you'd like to put out about anything that we talked about or anything that we didn't talk about?
2: No, I, I, I love the words of Rumi, the, the poet Rumi, and uh, he said, um, "This was like eight, eight hundred years ago, whatever." Um, There's a field. Uh, it's beyond the idea of right and wrong, and I'll meet you there. And I just love that, and I, I've kind of adopted it as my own, uh, because there's so much more out there than we could ever imagine. So just continue being open and receptive. As as Michael Bernard Beckwith would say, I am open and receptive to more good than I've ever expressed, experienced, manifested, or imagined in my life till now. And that's, that's how I try to live my life, just being open.
1: All right. Well, how would let me ask you, is there anything that you're doing in the community that you want to share with everybody? Any, you know, public announcements you want to make? Um, uh,
2: not really. I, I enjoy I enjoy the different groups that I'm part of. I'm part of a shamanic world. I'm also part of a um I'm loosely part of a poly community, uh, which is growing, growing, growing. And um so I kind of I'm kind of in a number of different things that I like and that I'm enjoying meeting people and just just enjoying as much as I can about life, you know. All
1: right. All right. Howard, thank you for being on. Thank you. And you have a great day. Yes. You too, man. All right. And as we come to the end of the show, I would just like to make a few announcements. I will be speaking at Indiginal in downtown Baltimore. That is on Reed Street. And it's going to be a 10 strand DNA activation meditation that will be on monday it is not this coming monday which is the first of february but the following monday so we're talking about what the 8th of february and that'll be at six forty-five p.m that i'll be down at Indigenous. also in the middle of the month next uh month february I have the Survival, Relationship Survival Workshop coming up. The Relationship Survival Workshop is going to be held in White Marsh or Nottingham. And it's going to be Saturday, February the 27th at 12 p.m. And for more information about that, you can call me at 443-388-0356. That's 443 443- 3880356 it will be Saturday February 27th from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m. This is a relationship intensive course. We're going to break down how to work on your relationship and give you the tools to keep your relationship going strong. Now, again, as with all things, the two people involved has to make that decision. So there's no guarantees outside of you're going to get some great information that if the two of you work at it, it will work for you. So that has been the show. And as always, I just got to tell you, what you become is up to you. Now, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but if it's the game of life you want to win, You must take the time to go within. Good night, everyone. The next generation of climate control is the Honeywell Lyric round Wi-Fi
2: thermostat. Now just $229 at the Home Depot. Lyric lets you control
1: your home's temperature from your smartphone. Running late? Arriving early? Just change the temperature from wherever you are. It also works with Apple HomeKit and works with Samsung SmartThings. Get comfortable with the Honeywell Lyric Thermostat. Just $229
2: at the Home Depot. More saving. More doing. U.S. only valid through August 15th.